said to us, especially if it's unusual or strange, and usually it's hard to get past that first impression. And they see when someone's speaking that you decide within 30 seconds of hearing them uh, start talking whether or not they're worth listening to and whether or not you're gonna check out for the rest of the time. So I'm just about hitting that part, so hopefully you've decided to stick with me. But I remember the first time Justin and Chelsea came, we were having a once a month service. We weren't yet at full time having services every week. And the first line I said to them was, you guys are too cool for this church. Like, help me, let me find you another church to go to, you know? And so sometimes your first impression of somebody is like weird. Like, why would you say that? What a stupid thing to say. Luckily they stuck around and I'm glad. I've got better at that. I probably didn't say that to you because I've got smarter since then. Um, but we usually remember someone's first impression. And it's hard to change a first impression. And the first thing you say to someone or the first way you treat somebody is going to impress how they think about you for a long time. At the same time, I think what you set first in your life, your first priority, is going to affect how your life or what your life impacts. We've been talking about, we started this new series about fame, and fame says, I should be the center of the universe. Everything should revolve around me. Everything should be about me. And this way of thinking manifests itself in what we prioritize, what we say is first in our life. Fame shows up that way. See, priorities are a way of lining up what we do and what we have by value. Things that are high value to us, we're like, oh, that's at the front of the line. I'm going to make sure that gets done. Things that are low value, they get pushed farther down and they get moved around. The more our priorities revolve around our comforts and our desires, the more they reveal that the thing that we value most is ourselves. The more I prioritize my comfort or my desires, the more it just shows everybody that what I really care about is me. So today we're going to talk about this passage where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and how it should be the first priority in our life. The Bible often uses the metaphor of a king and a kingdom. And in first century Israel, this was a very common idea. This idea of kings and kingdoms, that's not so familiar to us anymore. Like the, if we think of kings or queens, maybe England and royalty is the closest thing we think of. But these were very common concepts for the early original audience who heard this message. Kings and kingdoms to us almost have a fairy tale language to it. We think of like a far off story. But for the people that Jesus was speaking to, this was real world. This was reality. Jesus, for instance, uses the idea of a king and kingdom several times when he tells parables, stories to teach a lesson. In Matthew chapter 18, for instance, he talks about a king who calls in all his servants to settle their debts. And he calls in this one guy and he owes so much money. It's an incredible amount of money. It would have taken him lifetimes to ever pay it back. And the king says, you can't pay back your debt. You have to go to prison. You and your whole family have to go into slavery and pay off this debt. But the man begged and pleaded and said, please, please forgive me. And the king showed compassion and said, I'm not going to just give you more time to pay back the debt because it's an impossible debt. I'm just going to forgive the whole debt. I'm going to cancel the entire debt. In this story, we have the picture of Jesus as a king, and he's still forgiving debts today. If you come to Jesus and you cry out and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. I want to be your follower. I want to be a student of the way you lived in love. He's still being a good, generous king today. See, in Jesus' day, in Bible times, a king had absolute authority. 
Today we have governments that are governed by different ruling bodies and there's balance of power, but a king had absolute authority. A kingdom was where the desires of a king were law, where the desires of a king were the only priorities. A kingdom was where a king got what he wanted. If you were king, awesome. If you weren't, then you probably wouldn't get what you want. A kingdom was the dominion where the king's priorities were the laws of the land. And as I started thinking about this, what I realized is with our lives, we're either prioritizing the things of God or we're prioritizing the things that we care about. We're either trying to be king or God's trying to be king. Everything we do in life is either building the kingdom of God or it's trying to build our kingdom. Everything we say and do and think is either prioritizing what God wants or what I want. We're either saying, I'm King God, and I want you to do what I want, or we're saying, Jesus is King, how can I fulfill what he wants? And so once Jesus was talking about this, while he was traveling around and teaching, and that brings us to our passage we're going to look at this morning in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. And this is what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Well, that's easier said than done. What you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap. They don't gather food into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was, was not adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't even believe in God, eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Jesus starts out this passage here by talking about anxiety. And sometimes I hear people say things like, and the Bible's written so long ago, it's so out of touch with today. Maybe that's right, right? None of us struggle with anxiety. After 2,000 years, we got anxiety figured out, right? No one struggles with anxiety anymore. The Bible's out of touch with the current trends. Obviously not, right? We're still struggling with anxiety 2,000 years later. It's still part of the human condition. It's still relevant to us today. Um, a few weeks ago in our study on faith, we looked at the fact that anxiety reveals that we put our faith and our trust into a false god. We're looking for our happiness and our meaning and our value in something that can't sustain that way. Maybe in a relationship or in a person or in a job. Anxiety is the realization that we're trusting in something that can't bear the weight of what we are facing. Anxiety is ultimately a waste of energy that we could be used to change our reality. When I was pastoring down in Tennessee before I moved up here to start this church, uh, there was this one guy in our church who he was an old country chicken farmer. And uh, how many chicken farmers have you met? Not a lot because you probably haven't lived in Tennessee. Tennessee, forever. <laughs> um, so anyways, I was like, okay, you know, this guy always comes in in overalls and I'm like, different worldview than I did have, you know, different life experience. And I remember he came up to me, and uh, the, one of the first times I met him, and he said, I've only read two books in my life. One was the Bible, the other was this book my wife made me read, and it wasn't good. And I was like, man, I just graduated from college, just graduated from uh, 
grad school with a seminary degree, and I'm like, this guy has nothing to teach me, right? He's only written two books in his life, and that's my arrogance in there. And I remember getting to know him a little bit, and he'd have these little sayings, and he'd have this little wisdom, and I was like, this guy knows a lot more about life than I do in some ways. But he used to tell me one time I was sharing with him some of my worries, some of my anxieties, and he goes, Alex, anxiety is like And he says, you get into a rocking chair, and he says, you exert a lot of energy, but you don't go anywhere. And he says, that's what happens with anxiety. You spend all this energy, you spend all this effort, and you're not moving anywhere. You're not getting anything done. You're not changing anything. You're just wasting energy. He says, you walk, get out of a rocking chair, and you're tired, but you haven't done anything, and you haven't gone anywhere. And I was like, wow, two books this guy's read. That's pretty smart. Like, that's a, a lot smarter than me, because a lot of times, I spend a lot of energy wasted on anxiety, and it's not moving me forward, it's not changing the world, I'm just wasting energy, and afterwards I feel more exhausted, I feel more frustrated, whereas Jesus says in verse 27, how many of you by worrying made yourself live an hour longer? Zero percent. Like, none of you did that, but we think that maybe if I think it all through, like, I'll figure out a way, and he's like, you're just wasting lots and lots of energy and not getting and so Jesus comes to the, to the climax of this passage here in verse 33, and he says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, what he wants done, what he thinks is right. Prioritize what God wants, and God is going to prioritize what you need. That's what he says in verse 33. All these things will be provided for you if you seek first the kingdom of God. Now, have you ever flown an airplane? Anybody? Those people? Um, Darby is like, was a worldwide traveler. And so I'd only flown a few times before I married her. And now I feel like we fly constantly because Darby loves to travel. Um, but we get into an airplane and they always stand in the aisle and they do that demonstration on safety. And nobody pays attention because the last thing we want to think about when we're on an airplane is a crisis happening on an airplane. You know, so we're all putting in our headphones and like, don't and they're like, pay attention in case the plane goes down. But, you know, what they always say is, they hold up that little mask up to the ceiling, and they let it drop, and they say, should there be a sudden decrease in cabin pressure, this mask will drop down. Please put on your own mask before helping others. We've heard that. It's like repeated constantly. Um, they always emphasize, though, put on your own mask before helping others. But God here is saying the opposite. He says, hey, if you prioritize what I want, before you take care of yourself, I'll take care of you. It's very different than our normal thinking. Our normal thinking is like, let me take care of myself first, and then I can help others. But what happens a lot of times when we have that kind of thinking is, there's always something else to do before we help someone else. We're like, well, I got in this good place now, but when I hit this next landmark, then I'll do that. And when I hit that next landmark, then I'll do that. And we always push it farther down to it. And God says, if you put my priorities first, I'll take care of this stuff here. If we prioritize the kingdom of God, Jesus promises to make our problems his priority. Sometimes, I think God withholds some things that we need to remind us that we are not the center of the universe. That everything doesn't revolve around us. I think sometimes he does this to remind us that we are not king and that our priorities are not law. See, I think in my life, I'm constantly being pulled between the urgent and the important. 
and priorities help us ignore the distraction of the urgent and focus on what's truly important. And that's what Jesus is saying here is, you're always going to have things that's urgent, but make God's kingdom your first priority, what's important, and the urgent will be taken care of. So often my tendency is a crisis flares up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on this crisis and ignore God. But God tells me that if I focus on Him and what He wants, He will focus on my crisis. I have to move my anxious energy from worry to worship. I have to move it from saying, I'm just going to sit here and waste all this energy to, I'm going to put this energy towards praising and glorifying and serving God. And then He'll put my His energy to good use in my situation. I have to move from being centered on me and what I'm facing or what I want or what I need to centering on Him and who He is and what He wants to Now, this does not mean that God will fulfill all my wants if I put first the kingdom of God. That'd be nice, right? Like, I prioritized God this week, I won the lottery. You know, like, I prioritized God this month and I got a new Lamborghini. That would be really cool. But it probably wouldn't be very good for our souls, right? And God here is not promising that every problem is going to go away. It does not promise that our life will be easy. But it does mean that we won't have to worry and stress about how things work out because we're not the one in charge. See, if we let God be king, he's responsible for what happens in the kingdom. If we're king, we're responsible for what happens. And I think a lot of times we're trying to say, I, I want... I want this to be my kingdom. I want what I want done. And then we're feeling all this pressure and all this anxiety because we put ourselves in charge and we do not have the wisdom nor the power to take care of things by ourselves. A king is responsible for taking care of his kingdom, for protecting and preserving his people. Let God be king. He's a better king than we are. If I'm king, I'm bearing an incredible amount of weight. If Jesus is king, I can breathe because he's bearing the weight that I could not bear. Now, in the ancient universe, in, in the ancient world, they thought the center of the universe was Earth. Have you ever seen this geocentric view of the universe? And they imagined that the sun and the planets all revolved around Earth because they thought, we're on Earth. So obviously, everything centers around us. We never think like this today, right? Just get on social media. Everybody thinks the universe centers around them. But in the ancient world, they were convinced that Earth was the center of everything because we were here. And if we're here, we must be at the center. But it's interesting, I was reading some stuff about modern science today. If Earth was the center, and the planets were the size that they are, the gravitational pull from all those planets centering around the Earth would crush the Earth and everyone on it. So if the Earth was at the center because it's so small, the weight of bearing everything would crush it. And if you try to be the center of your universe, the weight of trying to bear everything because you're so small will crush it. But if you let someone big be the center of the universe, like a sun or God, he can bear the weight of everything revolving around him, and it's not too much for him to bear. Some of us think that the universe revolves around us. We imagine everything exists for us, but Jesus says that kind of thinking will ultimately crush you. It'll consume you. It will not satisfy you. It'll destroy you. You can't bear the weight. I can't bear the weight of being at the center of the universe. Only God can. If we try
try to be king, the pressure is too much. You and I are way too small to be the center of the cosmos. Only Jesus is big enough to be at the center of everything. And what I've found in my life is, if Jesus gets the praise, then he feels the pressure. But if I'm feeling the pressure, it's because I'm competing with Jesus for the praise. I'm like, I want to be known for that. I did that. That wasn't God doing that or God working through me. I should be getting the praise for that. What happens? I feel the pressure when it goes well or when it goes poorly. Like, I'm like, oh, i got to make sure i got all these pieces together and I'm running around and I've got to make sure that it happens. And if I'm not there, it doesn't happen and because I made it happen. And what am I trying to do? I'm trying to put myself at the center. I'm trying to say I'm the essential ingredient. I'm the center of the universe. And so I'm feeling all this pressure that rightfully Jesus deserves and rightfully Jesus can Pressure can reveal what we're prioritizing. And a lot of times when I feel the pressure, what I realize I'm prioritizing is my kingdom, my name being advanced, my goals, rather than necessarily God's goals. See, pressure reveals what we're concerned about because we're feeling strong emotion about it. My kingdom, the things that I want, the things that I impact, had a finite start date. It was in fall of 1983, and it'll have a finite end date sometime in the future, hopefully a little bit farther out than that. My kingdom is small. God's kingdom is boundless. My kingdom will last until I'm dead. It didn't start until I was born. God's kingdom will last forever. Invest in forever. It's better to invest in God's kingdom than our kingdom. Our kingdom is so short-sighted. And sometimes we think about, like, how can we have a really big impact? I'm starting to think now, like, how can I make sure that the name of Jesus is high and lifted up and people are still shouting and praising that name long after I'm gone? So I started thinking about this. How do you prioritize God's kingdom over your kingdom? Because it's really easy to sit here and say, okay, Alex, I want to prioritize God's kingdom. But what does that look like? Like, how does that really, what does that really look like in my everyday life? I think our priorities determine our trajectories. Like the place you ended up at, the place you are right now, is not by accident. Sometimes I talk to people during the week, and we sit down and we have coffee, and they're like, my life is a mess, Alex. And we begin talking about everything that they're going through, and relationships that are broken, and, and addictions, and problems, and they say, I just don't know how I ended up here. And so, you know, I tease at that thread a little bit, and then we go back a year, or a couple years, and they're like, well, I started doing this even though I knew it was wrong and destructive, but I headed down this path. And I'm like, your actions lead to consequences which lead to the present reality that you're in. They prioritize something in the past where they said, this makes me feel good right now, and I'm not going to worry about the future. And it led to the future that they didn't like. Most of us didn't get to where we are today in a day. It happened as we prioritized wrong things over an extended period of time. Where we are today is a result of what we prioritized in the past. Where we will be in the future will be a result of what you prioritize today. The few times I've sat down with couples who are having um, problems or marital problems and they're, they're stressed about things, it's usually way down the line that they sit down with a pastor or with a counselor and say, hey, we have problems. We've, we've got to do something. And what they don't realize is they've spent a long time prioritizing the wrong things, and now they want an instant fix so that everything's better in their relationship. 
You have to start prioritizing the right things today. And prioritizing the right things over a long period of time lead us to a better. So how do you know if you're prioritizing God? We schedule our priorities. We don't have time for the things that aren't valuable to us. We make time for the things we value. You know when uh, Justin asked me to go to the gym with him, you know what I was saying? I'm busy. Am I busy though? Because I also watch a lot of Netflix with darks. Like I could find time if I prioritize being healthy, right? If that was something valuable to me, I'd find time to do it. And so what we have to think about is, are we prioritizing the kingdom of God? Do we make time for the things of God, to spend time with God, to serve God? Or do we say, oh, I don't have time for that? That's challenging for me because sometimes I jump right into a day where I'm like, I gotta get a lot done. And I'm like, I didn't even pray this morning. I didn't even acknowledge the fact that I was given another day alive by the God who's the source of all life because I was just like, I got a lot to do. I got to jump right into it. And then I realized a couple hours later, I haven't even stopped to acknowledge the fact that there's a good God who loves me and gave me another day. We schedule our priorities, but we don't have time for the things that aren't valuable for us. And so you have to look at your life and say, hey, are the things of God valuable to me? then you're probably prioritizing them, and you're prioritizing the kingdom of God. Fame says the biggest priority is me. But deep down, all of us know that's not a path that leads to growth or impact or even fulfillment. When we're the priority, our lives will be selfish and small. If we're the center of everything, we're going to be choked under the weight of the universe. But God is the center of everything. If we prioritize something bigger than ourselves, can live a life of abundant grace and peace. Without clear priorities, our best intentions are never realized, and we struggle to make decisions and ultimately waste the limited time we have on this planet. The moment you and I were born, the clock began ticking on the amount of time that we have here. And you can spend a lot of that time to build your kingdom, or you can spend that time trying to build God's kingdom. Without priorities, we end up wasting the valuable time have you ever seen, met someone and they like have all these great ideas, but they just never do anything? Priorities help us take an idea from just thinking about it to actually making it happen. On the flip side, when we try to do everything because we haven't prioritized anything, we burn out. Sometimes this is me. I'm like, everything is a priority 10. Like everything has to be done now. And I'm like, it all has to be done today. But if everything is important, functionally nothing ends up being important. Simple is spiritual. Remember we talked about that when we talked about living and loving like Jesus, practicing the behaviors of Jesus. He lived in a lot of ways a simple life. And in our modern world, sometimes we get so busy with so many things. And you know what I have a hard time saying? No. Because people ask me to do good things. Local pastors say, hey, you want to get together? You know, people say, hey, you want to be involved in this community activity? I'm like, that sounds good. And I start saying yes to everything, which ends up meaning that everything becomes prioritless. Like, nothing becomes a priority. If everything is important, then nothing's a priority. But having priorities means saying no to some things so that I can say yes to the best things. I'm trying to have better boundaries so that I can always say yes to spending time with Darby and no to spending time with people that in the long range of things don't really matter. Part of what I fear when I say no to things, when 
when I prioritize by saying no, is I'm like, but this is a good thing. How can I say no to something good? And no is not a no forever, it's a no for now. And when you're making priorities, sometimes you're saying no to something and you're not saying, we're never gonna do it. I'm just not gonna do it now because there's other priorities. And so as we come to the end, I wanted to just get real practical. Like, how do we start to think through this lens of God's kingdom rather than our kingdom? And we have a Venn diagram, if you're familiar with Venn diagrams. And I started thinking about, okay, if the, the center of God, uh, if God's kingdom is at the center, like how do we begin to see our goals and our priorities through the lens of God's kingdom? And uh, you can come up with your own three top priorities. But I took some of the ones that I think are probably the most common, the most likely for you to have, but you could have different ones. And I thought, okay, most people prioritize career and work. They prioritize relationships or family. And they prioritize their personal growth or happiness. And you could have in their health, you could have in their emotional stability, um, whatever. So among these three, how would we prioritize God in each of these? How would we prioritize what God wants and not what I want in each of these areas of our life? In the first area of career and work, I think it's shifting our view from saying, I work to achieve and get value, and recognizing the biblical idea instead that we work for God, not for men. And work is a way that we worship. Not a way that we get self-fulfillment, but a way that we um, show honor to our Creator. And recognize the fact that God has positioned us in our workplaces, not so that we can get praise and achievement, but He has positioned us so that we can build relationships with co-workers far away from God and introduce them to the way that Jesus lived love. Colossians, Colossians 3.23 talks about that. When it comes to relationships and family, um, it's looking at the fact that my relationship with people will always be better when my relationship with God is better. And if I want to have a good relationship with other people, I have to make, my, make sure my relationship with God is healthy. To recognize the fact that I exist to live and love people like Jesus did. And 1 John 4.20 talks about that, that we can't expect to have good relationships with people if we have a bad relationship. Maybe in the area of growth and happiness, looking at it through the lens of setting God's kingdom first, it's maybe recognizing the fact that the greatest fulfillment in life comes from serving others, not accumulating power and stuff for ourselves. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the greatest among you will be a servant. The abundant life that everyone longs for is the life that Jesus lived, the way that Jesus lived and loved. And that's why Jesus invites people to become his followers. John 10, 10, he talks about having that abundant life that he offers. And so it's not just saying, okay, everything I want is garbage, I'm throwing it out. But it's recognizing that, okay, these things that I want, how do I accomplish them within the boundaries of God's kingdom? Setting aside some of my personal ambitions to say, what does God want for these areas of my life? Not just, what do I want? Because what I found is that when we put God's priorities First, it's not that our priorities got thrown away in the garbage and it's like, I don't care. But we end up finding when we pursue God's kingdom first that many of our priorities are truly found in seeking and serving. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for just this reminder of what you said, that anxiety is not the path that you want us to live on because it's a path where we waste a lot of energy and nothing changes or gets done. 
but instead you ask us to move our perspective from focusing on the urgent to focusing on the important, on you and your kingdom and what you want done and what you call right. God, forgive me for so often focusing on good things, but not the best things. Help me to be a person who prioritizes you and puts things in proper order after that. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will go with us this week, that you will help us to focus on you first. And Lord, I pray that you would just remind us that you hold all things together and that you work on the crisis.